0: Good afternoon and welcome to EXPO's fourth quarter and year-end conference call for fiscal 2020. With me on the line today are Philippe Morin, EXPO's Chief Executive Officer, and Pierre Plamondon, CFO and Vice President of Finance. Germain Lamond, EXPO's Founder and Executive Chairman will be also be available to answer questions during the Q&A period. A reminder that this conference call will include certain forward-looking statements and or estimates concerning our intents, beliefs, or expectations regarding future events that may affect Expo. Please note that such comments will be affected by risks and or uncertainties, including the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on our employees, customers, and global operations. This may cause the actual results of the company to be materially different from those expressed or implied today. For more information about Expo, I encourage you to view our Form 20F filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission. Our annual information form is available with Canadian Securities Commissions as well. Please note that non-IFRS numbers may be used during this conference call. A reconciliation of these non-IFRS results with IFRS numbers is available in the Q4 2020 news release on our website. And with that, uh, all all dollar announcements conference call are expressed in U.S. dollars unless otherwise indicated. And with that, I'll pass it over to Philip Morin, CEO.
1: Very good. Thanks, Michelle. And good afternoon, everyone. In our fiscal year 2020, X4 experienced the impact of the coronavirus pandemic on the global economy, which adversely affected our revenues and profitability. However, I'm pleased to see XFOR close its fourth quarter on a positive note with strong revenues and strong cash flow from operations. We also made significant progress on our strategic plan in 2020. Our ongoing digital transformation allowed Expo to quickly adapt to a virtualized selling environment and secure five new service assurance contract wins. Altogether, we generated revenue of 265 million down 7% annually with the full second half of the fiscal year affected by the pandemic. Regarding the bottom line, we delivered an IFRS net loss of 9.5 million in 2020, while our adjusted EBITDA amounted to 18.2 million. We reduced the impact of the pandemic through strict financial discipline, including company-wide hiring freeze. In August, we realigned our resources towards high growth drivers like fiber, 5G, and cloud native deployments to accelerate our company's transformation investments in lower growth areas were reduced. This restructuring initiatives with expected annual cost savings of $5 million will create a more resilient business model and position the company for profitable growth in 2021. Looking ahead, we're excited about the opportunities available for our test and measurement and SAS product families. With that in mind, let me tell you a bit more about how both groups performed in the past year and their prospects for 2021. In terms of tests and measurements, revenues fell less than 4% in 2020. We consider this a solid achievement, considering that preventive measures triggered by the pandemic affected the exposure ability to ship products and deliver services. Our revenues were also affected by a pause in large-scale fiber deployments in favor of maintenance work. On the lab and manufacturing test side, We delivered robust sales growth and an increased market share throughout 2020, mainly in the Asia-Pac region, where demand for optical component manufacturing is strong. Demand for field testing equipment should recover in 2021 with major fiber deployment projects on the horizon, provided that a second wave of the virus doesn't bring extensive lockdown restrictions. We also expect to leverage the pending acquisition of in to expand our market share in the fast-growing 400-gig and 800-gig lab and manufacturing test markets. in supplies ultra-high-speed oscilloscopes, bit error rate testers, and other critical test instruments to optical component and network equipment manufacturers. Giving the strong need for fiber deployment, which comes from fiber to the home, fiber to the antenna, 5G infrastructure and data center connectivity, and as well as a strong need for optical component manufacturing, we expect to build on our leadership position in optical testing in 2021. Regarding our service assurance and services and our SaaS product families, revenues decreased 16% in 2020. In this case, the pandemic restricted our ability to close deals and install systems at customer premises. We also didn't benefit from a large contract for network topology software, like we did in the previous year. Our SaaS business did close fiscal 2020 with positive momentum. We secured orders with five new logos, five new mobile network operators in the fourth quarter, highlighting the strength of our service assurance solution and the increased activity in this market. These multi-year, multi-million dollar deals will increase our SaaS backlog for 2021. We expect this momentum to benefit our recently launched Nova Adaptive Service Assurance Platform. This highly disruptive platform is powered by machine learning-based algorithms and automation capabilities to monitor and troubleshoot networks by detecting anomalies and even predicting outages before they occur. These differentiated functionalities have resonated well with mobile operators that are transforming their networks. We also anticipate increased momentum in 2021 as mobile operators begin migrating to cloud-native 5G standalone architecture. This heightened activity in the network core should accelerate demand for our Nova Adaptive Service Assurance Platform and our Nova Ascent AI troubleshooting solution. So As a result, we're approaching 2021 with a great deal of optimism for our SaaS business, we have the firm intent to build on our number two position, currently at 10% of global market share in the fragmented probe-based monitoring system market. Turning to our business outlook, XOA has suspended quarterly and annual guidance indefinitely due to the ongoing uncertainty surrounding to the breadth and duration of the pandemic and its impact on the macroeconomic environment. So at this point, I'd like to turn the call over to Pierre so he can discuss more uh, details and insights on our financials. Yeah. Thank
2: you, Philippe. Good afternoon, everybody. Annual sale decree 7.4% to $265.6 million in fiscal 2020. Booking meanwhile dropped 11.1% to $264.9 million for a book-to-bill ratio of 1. In the fourth quarter of 2020, sale reached $70.6 million, slightly higher than last year despite the pandemic. However, booking decreased to 63 million compared to Q4 19. As previously mentioned, annual decrease in sales and booking can be mainly attributed to the negative impact of the coronavirus pandemic, which reduced economic activity worldwide. Gross margin before depreciation and amortization amounted to 56.9% of sales in fiscal 20 compared to 58.6% in 2019. In the fourth quarter of 2020, gross margin reached 53.8% of sales, including a restricting charges of 1.1%. Excluding these charges, the gross, our gross margin would have attained 54.9% in q 20. On an annual basis, our gross margin was negatively affected by the pandemic as we were forced to shut down our manufacturing facility in China in February to limit the outbreak of the virus. This shutdown, as well as the effect of the pandemic on product demand, resulted in lower (laughs) sales and lower absorption of fixed costs. Expo growth margin was also affected by an unfavorable sale mix in 2020. For example, and and as Philip mentioned, we did not benefit from a large contract for networked topology software in 2020, as we did in, in 2019. Finally, our gross margin was negatively impacted by research and charge in the fourth quarter of 2020 of 0.9 million. These unfavorable factors were upset by a number of positive items, including uh, in the third quarter wage subsidy from the Canadian government amounting to 0.7 million and the effect of the IFRS 16 of 1.1 million. We believe that our gross margin will range between 57% and 59% in fiscal 21. Moving to operating expenses, selling and administrative expenses totaled 92.3 million in fiscal 20 compared to 98.6 in 2019. In the fourth quarter of 2020, HGA expenses amounted to 24.6 million and included 1.9 million in restructuring charges. The 6.4 million decrease in agent expenses can be attributed to the wage subsidy provided by the Kenyan government of 1.1 million, the positive impact of IFRS 16 on our selling and, and administrative expenses of 1.5 million, significantly lower travel expenses due to the pandemic, lower commission paid out on lower sale level, and tight control on expenses and uh, iron trees. This factor, were partially upset by higher researching charges in fiscal year 20 compared to 19 and salary increases year over year. ag expenses as a percentage of sales slightly increased to 34.8% in 2020 from 344 in 2019. We expect our AG&A expenses will range between 33% and thirty-five percent in twenty twenty-one. Net RD expenses totaled forty-five point five million in twenty twenty compared to fifty point six million in twenty nineteen. In the fourth quarter of twenty twenty, net RD expenses amounted to twelve million. Likewise, the five point one million decrease in net RD expenses in twenty twenty can be attributed to the wage subsidy provided by the Canadian government of 1.5 million, positive impact of IFRS 16 on our R&D cost of 0.8 million, as well as less restructuring charges year over year of 2.4 million, and again, tight control on expenses. As a percentage of sales, net r and expenses reached 17.1% in 2020, Compared to 17.6% in 2019. We expect that net RD expenses will range between 16% and 18% of sales in 2021. In 2020, IFRS net loss totaled non 9.5 million or 17 per share. Net loss in 2020 includes expenses totaling, totaling 10.3 million namely 5.5 million in after-tax amortization of intangible assets, 2 million in stock-based compensation costs, 2.4 million in after-tax restructuring charges, and foreign change loss of 0.4 million. Net loss also includes 2.4 million for the after-tax wage subsidy granted by the Canadian government. In the fourth quarter of 2020, IFRS net loss amounted to 3.6 million or $0.07 per share, which includes an answer tax restructuring charges of $2.4 million or $0.04 per share. In terms of geography, in fiscal 2020, sales in Asia Pacific improved 11.9%, while sales in the America and fell 10% and 13.9%, respectively, being more impacted by the COVID. Looking at the sales split, the America accounted for 49% of sales, EMEA represented 30%, while Asia-Pacific totaled 21%. Turning to customer diversification, our top customer accounted for 8.3% of sales in 2020, while our top three represented 18.1% of sales. Moving on to a few key points on the balance sheet, our cash and short investment increased by 14.3 million to 33.7 million at the end of 2020. We raised our bank loan by 26.5 million in 2020, while other liabilities increased by 2.4 million. These items were partially offset by 2.1 million in cash flow used by the operation, 7.6 million for the purchase of capital assets. And 5.2 million for the repayment of long-term debt and liabilities. At the time, I will turn the call over to the operator for the start of the Q&A.
3: Thank you, sir, and ladies and gentlemen. For any questions at this time, please uh, press star one to join the queue. Just make sure you have your mute function turned off so we can receive that signal. Again, at this time, that's star one for any questions. Pause for just a quick moment. Pause for just a quick moment. All right, folks, our first question then today will folks come from uh, Thanos uh, uh, Meshopolis, who's uh, uh, with BML Capital Markets. Capital market
4: Hi, good afternoon. Um, maybe starting off on the 5G uh, five, five wins you had for the NOVA product, um, any additional color you can provide as far as um, the geographies of those wins? And then also um, some color maybe in terms of the key factors that uh, drove the uh, uh, operators in question to choose your solution uh, versus the, uh, the competition. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, Thanos. So,
1: um, yeah, these five customer wins were um, against the uh, Americas and Europe, um, and, and they're predominantly what we like is the fact that um, we are able to place uh, incumbents, and, um, you know, and then some of the players that, that you're familiar with, Thanos, but the NetScouts Scouts and Parix and, um, and exceed and so on. So it's, so for us to be able to prove the value of our new platform, the uh, whole uh, adaptive Uh, Nova adaptive uh, platform was was a key um, aspect of uh, providing that um, those wins so um, and again these these uh, as we mentioned in our press release in August they represented about 5 million of our bookings in Q4 but uh, these deals are also multi-year and and um, uh, and then therefore will be part of our um, of strengthening our backlog in uh, in 2021
4: Okay. Um, and regarding the in acquisition, you haven't provided any uh, uh, color or financial metrics on that. Um, is that because it's not material, or will you be giving us some metrics when the deal closes?
1: Well, the, so first of all, as you know, Tana, the, the in-optical acquisition is still pending until we get the regulatory uh, approval, um, with, which we expect to be uh, later on the, in, in the month of October or beginning of November. And until then, that's where we um, will be able to provide at that point uh, more color on um, on, the, on the acquisition itself and what the impact is. But what the strategy behind this one for for is just continuing. If you look at our results for the last couple of years, we've really proven that um, by expanding our solutions into the manufacturing and research market segments, we, we've shown some really nice momentum, nice growth, and, and improvement in market share. And by coupling an opticals product, which um, helps us with complementing our, our optical portfolio with some electrical assets, um, we really believe we'll be able to address a wider market, mainly the PIC market and, and some of the photonic in- integration manufacturing providers. So, again, pretty important uh, deal for us in terms of um, helping us grow our market uh, share, our addressable market, and then our market share into uh, the manufacturing development and research market segment.
4: Okay. Um, And then on OPEX, just some moving parts here um, between the restructuring charges, um, I think, you know, typical seasonality that you have in the quarter. Um, I guess all all that being the case, how should we think about OPEX heading into uh, next quarter? I mean, if we strip out the um, restructuring impact um, and then factor maybe some some seasonal impact, do we assume that the run rate should be kind of down a little bit from what you had in Q4? How do we think about that?
2: Yes, you're right. You have to assume this is an impact on the vacation time in summertime, so where the expense tend to be lower in Q4 compared to, to following quarters. At the same time, the currency, uh, as you know, play a, a, a big role in, in our expenses. The, the average Kenyan dollar gets stronger in, the, in Q4. That's why our OPEX tend to increase in Q4 a little bit because of that. And depending where the candidate we we stand for q one that that could be could be an impact as well okay on on the other side uh, with the researching plan that we have announced uh, we will start to see the benefits. we have announced a five million cost reduction over the over the next uh, twelve months with the, the researching plan that we have announced and uh, we should starting to see some benefit in q
4: one with that plan okay uh, and last one for me, Philippe. Um, how, how would you characterize, I guess, the, um, the, the current the current state of field deployments? I mean, you know, with with COVID and everything. I mean, are 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 field deployments now kind of progressing closer to normal, um, or, or is that really a function of the various geography in question? What are you seeing on that front?
1: Yeah, we're starting to see a back to normality now. Again, with the, the kind of second wave starting to come in, that's the kind of caveat I'll put. But you know, when you look at our overall T&M um, portfolio, you know, that the high-speed solutions like 400, 800 gig did really well. Our manufacturing portfolio, as I mentioned earlier, did, did nice growth and, and market share increase where we had some challenges on the fiber deployment, I you just highlighted. But we do feel that um, the, the, the high demand of broadband, high-speed broadband connectivity, by in in the market is going to start really getting that normality into that vi- the the fiber build out uh, and especially with as we're seeing with 5 g in certain countries where we're seeing five g infrastructure also building up so uh so we do expect to see that we're and we're starting to see a bit that, that funnel increase and in momentum in that fiber build out again uh, assuming that the the second wave doesn't get us into the type of um, lockdown that we saw in the spring.
4: All right. Thanks. All the top
3: line. All right. Moving on from uh canaccord genuity. We have Robert Young.
5: Hi, um, the, um, TNM bookings in the quarter are a little bit weaker. Is most of that seasonality or, uh, was there some other factor there? Um,
1: yeah robert i mean again it's it's a bit of a combination of uh of seasonality uh and then and, and again as I, I mentioned a bit some of the fiber characterization projects that are being impacted i i do think that the cycle to get back to normality we experienced that into q four a bit as as you know operators are being you know careful for the health of, of their employees and their and their contractors and and we
5: saw that impacting that business okay and i guess the um uh, the 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 stresses that uh, work from home trends and whatnot are, are putting on the uh, the network um, is that uh, a, an underlying driver of activity in T N M equipment and handheld sales or is that something else so that's being pushed out by logistics and COVID
1: yeah not so Robert I
5: think that the
1: fundamental demand for 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 broadband connectivity and, and you know fiber being a big part of that and someone could argue that 5g uh, fixed wireless access will be as well that, that fundamental demand is strong and but I do think that the uh, the effect of the pandemic just uh, as an impact of increasing the sales cycles and and, and, and then the delivery and so on so it just it just takes more time even though the demand as you highlighted uh, for for broadband connectivity from a network point of view, is is um, is also being uh, is being impacted. But it's just the nature of of doing business, it takes a bit more time now.
5: Okay, and then the other area of strength in the CNM um, business is the, the lab or the NEM business. Uh, you, you suggested yes. you taking share, and I guess a lot of that was probably driven by the acquisition of Anista, and then now, if optical closes as you plan, what's that gonna do for that business? Is, uh, like, are there any specific areas that you grow? I think you talked about some uh, component pieces. Uh, are there any new uh, net new areas that that, that that's going to open up for you?
1: Yeah. So, so the market demand that we just talked about for for broadband connectivity, and then the market demand for data center connectivity, fiber to the home, fiber to the antenna, is driving the need for more and more optical components, optical transceivers, and so on. And then it's, the manufacturing of these components are, are predominantly, as you know, Robert, in, into Asia to China and Asia, and that's driving, again, the combination of uh, Yanista acquisition, the combination of our existing portfolio, we were able to really uh, capture uh, increased market share and, and do further business with that platform. And then with an optical, we saw an opportunity to um, to really complement our portfolio as, as uh, more and more of these optical components are moving into um, PIC technology, a photonic integrated chip technology, and we felt an opportunity to uh, to really complement, and I, I think Germain was actively involved in in, in the acquisition or the pending acquisition. I, I I'll leave it over. I'll turn it over to Germain so I'm sure he can provide a bit more color on on an optical. Germain? thank
6: you. Thanks for it. Yeah. Well, actually, uh, Robert, this is a this is an area in which Expo has been involved in quite extensively. This is a strategic area for us. Uh, the what we call the MDR, so manufacturing, development, and research. Um, We've made some important moves in the last few years, both internally in terms of uh, internal development, uh, strong focus, both in our optical test and our high-speed test, um, as well with the acquisition of Yanista. So what we, we do here with this combination is, uh, by adding an optical, so it's given us one of the most complete portfolio of products within this industry for the, the very high-speed uh, you know, component testing, system testing, and so forth. So we think that uh, it's an area in which Expo has done well, and we are expecting to continue to do well as we can now create solutions that are pretty unmatched within the industry with the, with the advanced capabilities that we have. Uh, in Opticals is, is, is kind of bringing a market that's in the range of $150 million, in which basically, um, as a smaller organization, it was difficult for them to really embrace the global market and compete against larger players, which we, would be the, the key sites, and and Ritzos and a few others. So I think the combination of, uh, of uh, in opticals with exposed capabilities, uh, for me this is what uh, we call often time the uh, triple S acquisition, so very synergistic. So there's a lot of synergies to be able to be generated. It's a strategic segment for us. And it's also a small acquisition, so that's the, the triple S. Uh, so it's a small acquisition that we can really leverage to bring and create additional value for shareholders, like we did with uh, with
5: Unista. Okay, great. And then um, you've said a couple of times, last quarter, this quarter, uh, that you're seeing a lot of RFP activity in general, and the funnels growing. And so um, uh, in the uh, in the SaaS business, uh, you had, yeah, I think, relatively um, uh, good bookings. Um, in the T N M business maybe not so good. And I was wondering if you could just talk about, um, you know, the the trends there going forward.
1: Yeah. So, Robert, on the on, on the uh, RFQs or activities around um, around the service assurance business, we actually continue to see a good momentum there. Um, a lot of customers are now going through now that they made decisions around uh, who are they going to be using for their 5G core and their 5G RAN, they're now moving into um, the next phase of the service assurance kind of uh, activities. And we see uh, a lot of, of RFQs there. And, and again, the fact that we were able to close five, five of them in, um, uh, in, Q, uh, in Q4, now some of them were for 4G technology evolving to 5G, but, but we're starting to see an increase activity there. Uh, across mainly in our case um, americas and and uh, and europe and so and that that bodes well for us in, in twenty twenty one because we do believe that um you know customers will uh, operators are are looking at at um, some places accelerating their 5 g deployment um, i'm really i was really happy to see the c b r s spectrum auctions um you know reaching up to four point six billion so we're seeing more and more spectrum investment going into this business, ultimately, uh, will be translated into network deployments, and therefore, um, more opportunities for us to, to leverage our solution in that market.
5: Okay, and those, those, those trends, the RF, uh, RFP and RFQ trends, is that around the SaaS business, or would you say that that's more a factor driving the overall business? And it's, it's predominantly a business
1: because the RFQs tend to be longer, but we do see, um, we had some nice growth on our, on our T&M around 5G infrastructure out. So whether it's our fiber product, but our, the whole uh, optical RF, uh, all of our products we're, we're putting, which is providing a bit more visibility as you install new radio, as you install new fiber. Um, we, we saw some really nice growth, again, in, the, in our platforms on the T&M side, and we believe that's going to continue. As um, as the optics move all the way up to the top of the antenna, as 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 there's more and more deployment of greater density uh, due to 5G, as you know, there's more towers being put in, and it's all fiberized,
5: so it does have a positive impact on our team and business. Okay, and so then, if if investors are looking for like a sign of um, a leading indicator for the the RFQs to turn into bookings, is it? Standalone radio, or is it something that would happen before that starts to take off? And I'll pass the line.
1: Yeah, the leading
5: indicator for us now is, is uh, once the customers have made
1: decisions on the 5G core for for SaaS um, uh, to start off with. For the SaaS business, the leading indicator is the decisions they've now made on 5G core and who have they selected as a provider. And therefore, we know that right behind that, there'll be a need for service assurance activities. And then on the TNM side, the leading indicator is absolutely what you just said. So the, it's the RAN deployment. Um, once you start seeing some, some deployment now, that's a leading indicator for us to um, to uh, for our TNM business.
5: Okay. Thanks for answering all the questions. Thank you.
3: And ladies and gentlemen, another quick reminder that star one if you do have any questions to join the queue, we'll move on to Tim Savageau, who's with Northland Capital Markets. Hello hello,
7: hello, hello hello um good afternoon everybody uh, All right, I'll try and struggle through this um. My question is on uh, what you're seeing from a spending perspective from your carrier customers. As was previously mentioned, um, T&M bookings looked pretty weak um, in the quarter, and at least it appears that revenues with your largest customer were down pretty sharply on a sequential basis. And given some of what we've seen um, in various suppliers across the industry, that might not be Um, surprising, although it it looks like your revenues in the Americas were actually pretty decent in the quarter. So I guess my question is if you can characterize kind of the overall spending environment and, you know, or I guess demand environment, um, putting aside any pandemic-related network access issues, and whether you're seeing that um, differing trends across some of your traditional large customers, Kind of the AT&Ts and Verizons of the world versus other segments of the fiber test market, especially with regard to field, whether that's cable, rural broadband, Europe. You've called out strength there. You know, were any of those dynamics at work as you looked at your um, bookings and, and revenue results in the fourth quarter?
4: Yeah. So um, okay. So overall, when
1: when you look at um, the seasonality of our q 4 it's, it's always, from a TNM point of view, it's always a quarter where um, we tend to have uh, a, an impact on, on bookings for the, the TNM side. So there is a, that seasonality aspect. Um, what we're seeing, though, in terms of overall demand, and as we move into 2021, our fiscal year, is that, um, you know, depending on countries and depending on, 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 um, on geographies, we're seeing some acceleration of deployment, um, I would tell you we're seeing a lot of activities in North America, we're seeing a lot of activities in, in um, the Western Europe, um, but there are other parts that we are don't, we, we see maybe um, um, uh, uh, more conservatism in terms of the, 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 the spend. Um, but, but again, if you look at um, places where fiber to the, mo- the home, c- high speed connectivity, uh, rural programs being put together by governments. And that is really um, the, the 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 momentum and funnel increase that we're seeing comes from all of these these other activities. Asia pack for us tends to be very again when we talk about the the the, the, the MDR market, um, optical component manufacturing transceiver manufacturing that to us is is really uh, important high speed solutions four hundred gig and 100 gig as now. The network equipment vendors are going to the labs with those types of solutions. We're seeing some some of that activities as well. Um, some the 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 what we're monitoring now is is the 5G acceleration. Where where will 5G get accelerated or, or will it get slowed down? And, and as I mentioned on previous calls, we're seeing certain countries like the U.S., uh, China, um, Japan, Korea, accelerating their 5G investments, but other countries. Um, you're seeing a a, as an example a delay of spectrum auctions, a delay uh, like in Spain or some of these uh, countries in Africa and so on that that we will believe will also have an impact in terms of the um, the 5g deployment so it's a bit of mix uh, Tim that you know I I do think that you know when we look at our 2021 that we'll be seeing some nice momentum behind the whole fiber connectivity nice momentum around our, our MDR market and I do think that, from our, our service assurance uh, point of view, uh, the activities around 5G core, uh, 5G RAM for service assurance, we, we expect that that's going to really uh, continue to see that momentum as we um, as we continue to be in our fiscal year 2021.
7: Okay, and if I could follow up briefly, um, so you you seem to indicate that seasonality might be more of a factor than in test and measurement bookings, than any kind of pull-forward dynamic or broad-based slowdown in uh, in spend at the the larger U.S. carriers. Just want to confirm that. And then, you know, given the overall nature of your commentary um, heading into 21, it sounds like you might expect at least somewhat of a return to kind of a normalized mid-single-digit growth rate on the uh, test and measurement side. You probably don't want to go that far um, in terms of expectations, but um, any comment on that would be great. Thanks.
1: Yeah, so I, I think the the activities in in the U.S. continues to be, you know, around the fiber deployment, around 5G infrastructure build-out continues to be, to be strong. Um, as I mentioned earlier, Tim, the sales cycle takes more time to quote deals to get every get all the POs released, to get every all the activities and so on. That just is the nature of having a lot of our customers working from home and and and, and it is creating of that. And you compound that with the seasonality is, is effectively what we saw in our TNM bookings in, in Q4. Um, so for me it's uh, you know as we, we get into um, uh, into our fiscal year, um, you know, the whole unknown, and, and you won't you won't be surprised, but the unknown is around that whole what will happen with the second wave of of the pandemic, and um, and what will will um, what will be the impact on the macro environment and so on, and that's that's the the unknown, and and that's what's creating a bit of the um, the challenge for us to figure out how our our business will will evolve in um,
7: or grow in in 2021.
3: Thank you. All right, we'll move on to our next question, it comes from Daniel Chan with TD Security.
7: Oh, hi, uh,
8: thanks for taking my questions. Just um, just, um, just to get some color on the five new customer wins that you got in the $5 million in bookings, what were those bookings for um, and how quickly or for like what period of time and how quickly do you think uh, those will be converted into revenue? and in addition to that, um, what is the extent of these initial deployments? In other words, what is the cross or the upsell opportunity following on these initial deployments?
1: So the, the, on, on the service assurance business, um, and the, the the type of uh, projects is you get in, you get a, a, a purchase order to cover and install the systems, and, and the revenue profile tends to be over milestones that takes usually a, over the next to twelve months, and so like the, the revenues will be recognized in, into the next um, next 12 months depending on the projects but they're just giving you kind of at a high level um, and so that's that's kind of the and then once you're into the network then you get expansion um, either you you put more of our uh, virtual probes into the network you you scale with the network and then ultimately that uh, the, with that you you continue to get more purchase orders, more maintenance contract that that ends up being the supporting the software upgrades into the network, and that's why you know uh, these, these important these contracts are important because they're multi-year contracts and not just one year, and um, and that's why we we wanted to stress the the momentum we're seeing with these five these five wins, and they tend to be you know you start by a specific region, specific deployment, number of subscribers. And then ultimately you grow from that, and that's 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 really important to have that footprint, so you can grow the business. Um, would it, what was your second question Sorry.
8: Well, I mean, uh, you, you, you partially answered it, but um, to to what extent do you think um, this initial deployment, like what percentage of the networks do you think you're addressing here? You're seeing. Uh, a certain number of subscribers, a certain number of regions, um, is it, would you say it's 10% of the existing network, or like just trying to size the opportunity uh, beyond this initial
1: deployment? Yeah, so I'll give it one, one of these five accounts we've actually provided, um, it was Aircom in Ireland, and it starts off with uh, a first win, and then it and usually it will double uh, in terms of the size, to triple, depending on on you know, the geography. So we started with a smaller geography, and then you you double the footprint, and and ultimately it can be as high as three times what you've put in as you as you in- increase the number of uh, subscribers and so on. And the way it translates for us, is, again, one of the important factors that we monitor then is is, is the uh, the backlog that we have on our service assurance business, and and the backlog is still very healthy as we head into our 2021. We're up to about $62 million of backlog of our business. And that includes you know, projects that you've got to do the milestones, but it includes in there maintenance contracts that, that you get on an early basis for, to maintain the software and so on. So it's, that's why it's, it's not just about the initial footprint, but then you start adding more, more geography, more, more subscribers, and then maintenance and renewals, and that's why sometimes it doubles the value of the contract to sometimes triple.
8: Okay, that's helpful. Thanks. And then you also mentioned that um, some of the leading indicators for the SaaS business included 5G core and RAN uh, vendor, uh, vendor selections. Is there a particular vendor that uh, you tend to, uh, to, to get better attach rates to, or are you pretty much vendor agnostic?
1: Well, the value that we bring to, um, to our, the, the, the operator, our customers, is the fact that we're, we are that independent voice that monitor monitors and provides information from an end-to-end point of view, including the RAN, including the core. And often, you know, the the the, the operator will pick a RAM vendor, will pick another in the core. And we have that, that capability to provide that end-to-end visibility, the monitoring and troubleshooting. And so we tend to be vendor neutral um, in, in in that context. Um, but we also obviously are always looking at ways of how we can complement some of these core uh, or RAM uh, vendors and how do we actually bring value-add uh, solutions by working sometimes more closely with, uh, with some of these um, core or RAM vendors. But, but again, we, we tend to want to be as vendor-agnostic as, uh, as possible because we do provide that additional value.
5: Great. Thank you.
3: Reminder, folks, that's uh, Star One. For any questions? All right. And uh, with uh, nothing remaining in the queue, then uh, it looks like that'll conclude our Q and A session. So I'll turn the floor over, back over to uh, Philippe for any additional or closing remarks.
1: All right. So just a few key takeaways before um, we conclude this call today. Uh, So first, uh, Expo made significant progress on our strategic plan in 2020, despite the pandemic. We've quickly adapted to a virtualized selling environment, and we consolidated our role as the trusted advisor that generated healthy revenue. Second, uh, we positioned the company for profitable growth by strengthening our focus on growth drivers like fiber, 5G, and cloud-native deployments in in, uh, restructuring efforts. While reducing investments in other areas and finally we're excited about the the wealth of opportunity in 2021 on the TNN side we expect major fiber products to accelerate with fiber to the home fiber to the antenna 5g infrastructure and data center interconnect deployments. and on the sas side we anticipate order momentum should ramp up uh, as mobile operators begin migrating as i said earlier to cloud native and 5g standalone architectures so at this point, uh, this concludes our Q4 2020 conference call. On behalf of the entire EXPO team, thank you very much for joining us today.
3: Again, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, concludes our call for today. We do appreciate you joining us, and you may now disconnect your phone lines. Take care.